Hi everyone, this is Ronnie at Everything Vive. I have the pleasure of uh, speaking with a couple of folks over from Alchemy Labs. If uh, both of you guys could introduce yourselves and uh, explain to the listeners out there who aren't familiar with Alchemy Labs and, and the kind of games you guys make, uh, what you guys are all about. Uh, sure. Uh, I'm Devin Reimer. I'm the CE Owl of Alchemy Labs. <laughs> and I'm Andrew Eike. I'm the CT Owl and Cable Slinger at Alchemy Labs. Okay, be- before we, we get any further, because every single time I've met with you guys or any times I get cards from you, there's always these really, really like clever pun names for literally every single type of position at your company. So how did... How did you guys start doing that, and who came up with that? I think, I think it started with Alex decided that, like, as, as kind of an interesting thing, he would be CEO and janitor, CEO and janitor, uh, to kind of show the that alchemy is so small and there's, like, this dichotomy. But then it kind of rolled out of that. It just became a, a fun thing to, to give employees crazy titles because, you know, we're, we're a company and a business, so people need titles, but we're also make silly games. Yep. Very, very cool. And yeah, how did how did you guys get together to to start Alchemy Labs? How did that how did that come about? Yeah, so uh, Alchemy Labs has been around for oh, almost eight years now. Um, and uh, when Alchemy Labs started, uh, we're making mobile games, um, some games, Snuggle slash Smuggle Truck, um, Jack Lumber, for example, uh, did a port of Ah uh, Reckless. Sorry, Ah Reckless Disregard for Gravity converted into awe for the awesome and then yeah and then we did a game called discourse on pc and we kind of had this like um long trajectory of making um mobile and pc games before vr hit and then we very hard pivoted um in the very very early days of vr to being exclusively vr and And, uh, oh go ahead Uh, so yeah alchemy was originally uh you know kind of two people and then four people and it's been relatively small and then with um the success as job simulator became a became a thing as we were leading up you know the team has expanded so you know now we're we're we were all separate now we're in austin texas and there are 23 owls okay awesome and yeah you devin you talked about making that kind of hard pivot towards vr uh what led you guys to make that decision and what was your first experiences with vr prior to making the jump um, so yeah, what ended up happening was the, uh, the Kickstarter for the DK one, um, got put up and, um, I was kind of reading through some things and I knew a little bit about VR in the past. I was like, okay, this is not a thing that will succeed in the foreseeable future. Um, but anyway, so I started reading some stuff on there and I was like, okay, there's some interesting things. Um, so I decided to start doing a whole pile of research and was like, is this one of those like inflection points that have snuck up on us? Like, is this one of those things that could have happened even a few years prior, but no one was looking at it for whatever reason? And that was the kind of conclusion that I came to was that uh, in the 90s, everything became so like toxic. It was like, I don't want to talk about VR because that's like a horrible thing. Um, but technology kept moving along and things completely unrelated to, to VR, like uh, the smartphone screen technology, all of a sudden resolutions exploded because that was the selling feature of phones. Um, things like gyros and stuff like that that I could put inside that were relatively small and cheap. Um, and then the computing power just kept getting better on PCs. And now all of a sudden we had things in our homes already that could power these things. And so kind of looking at all that, it's like, wow, this actually might be the moment. Um, and so I uh, talked uh, with uh, Alex because Alex and I were running the company. 
and it's like, I think there might be something here. And what we ended up doing was there was a game that we had ported that ah for the awesome, and we're like, okay, it's a base jumping game, and it's first person. It was like, okay, what if we went and converted that to this? And so we didn't own the IP. That was another company, Deja Bond. We had done the work on it, and so um, we ordered a DK1. Um, and uh, when we got it, it was like, okay, let's just drop what we're doing and jump on porting this game over and learning as much as we can, as fast as we can. And so what ended up happening was it took us a couple of days to get it working, which was shocking to us, but then it took an entire month to make it not the worst thing in the entire world. <laughs> um, and that was kind of that, that like really easy, quick win of getting something to, to work in VR was shockingly fast. Uh, but then we learned kind of the challenges of going from that it works to it is functional and actually a little bit good is uh, uh, pretty daunting. And then we ended up pushing that out to Steam um, and so people that had the game could just you know switch it over to that mode and then put up an Oculus Share. And uh, because of that, it was the number one uh, game on Share for a very, Oculus Share for a very long time. And then on Steam, it was the only the second game on Steam or third game because it was Valve put out Half Life Two and TF Two, and then our thing. So if you wanted something that wasn't made by Valve, but it was a full game that you could put the headset on and play all the way through, it was ours. One thing we joke about was like we think we were the first game like true game you could play end to end with never taking the headset off. It's funny is like at that time there was games that had VR support, but it was like you have to go navigate the menus and get it set up and now you put the headset on and you get to something you have to take the headset off and yeah. do something on your computer. And so we were kind of uh, we were like excited that we could actually have an end to end experience. That's a but I, I think that um an important point is like so how do we do the jump is like is like you Devin talks you and you can elaborate on this yeah. a little bit more but like that was cool, but it used a controller, and the design space kind of ended there. Like, yeah. you had done this cool thing, it had this controller support, it had this headset, but then it was like, what do we really, where do we go? Where does this, Where? how do we proceed forward? Yeah, we were very excited um, and bullish on VR, um, and kind of figured that what the end result of the first consumer version would be, would be like, you know, an Xbox-style controller, and, you know, sitting in a chair and doing stuff. And so we started doing a whole bunch of different, like, pitch prototype stuff. And uh, it was shocking because we were so excited. But then everything that we kind of, like, started to experiment with wasn't that good. Um, and part of the reason um, that we were, like, having so much trouble was um, we felt it was super important to not make people sick in VR. And so mm -hmm. our base jumping game did create some nausea with folks, but we, we worked so hard at trying to not make that the case, but we realized that there was a lot of problems um, with Vection. It was like, VR is never gonna take off if you have to say, before you try anything, this might make you sick. Like that's like, that's just a non-starter for mainstream VR. And so every one of our designs was super, super constrained because of that. Mm. Um, and so we had a lot of, uh, a lot of trouble with that. And then we continue, we're continuing to work on another game that we were finishing up. And then that's when um, uh, Valve uh, wanted to show us some stuff that they were working on. And they showed us the, uh, uh, the original room demo where you could actually like walk around inside of it because we spoke at uh, the, the first Steam Dev Days about VR. And then we're like, that's really cool. 
but still doesn't solve any of our design problems. And that's probably like four years out in technology. And then they called us in again to, to talk about what would end up being the relationship between HTC um, with making the Vive. And they're like, and we have these track controllers. And then all of a sudden it was like the entire box opened up and it was like, now there is, it went from a very small number of things we want to build to like infinity, just like, just that addition of, of that, uh, that game changer. And that so much so that we, we, we always refer to VR as, it's VR with hands. Like that is VR. That's what makes it VR. And then that's driven a lot of our philosophy, right? So we do, we are very keen. We, we call it like six, six, right? So we need to make sure that we have six degree of freedom tracked headsets and six degrees of freedom tracked hands to go with that. And that's, I think that's key to our experiences and key to where we think the future of VR is going. And also, if you now, before, uh, maybe this early this year, you could say like, and you know, we, we believe that's the way the industry is going, but now looking at every headset that's coming out, everything that's coming out in VR, you know, it's not, there's, nobody's making these three DOF controllers anymore. People are doing the 6-6, six, six. that is the future. And then, you know, kind of our prediction early on is now playing out in front of us. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It, one of the first uh, times I remember seeing what, VR would be like now uh, was Job Simulator. Just seeing someone, seeing footage of someone playing that, and just seeing the hands there, and just like you know, tossing all kinds of stuff, and frenetic, like running around from place to place within you know the the office space. I think is is what they were playing. Like it, it's a very very memorable moment in my brain of like, oh, this is what could be possible in 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 room scale VR. And and so that's that's amazing to hear that that's how you guys kind of you yeah. Know. And I think I think that what you know if you look at the the function of the company and so we you know we made Job Simulator after that and then we made Rick and Morty after that and now we just released Vacation Simulator, uh, you know we're kind of doubling down on that. We don't want to just stop on like what is the possibility space, what is the the interaction, just stop at like throwing things. Like if if Job Simulator was a game <laughs> about throwing a cup of coffee at your boss, right? Rick and Morty was a game about solving weird puzzles through the interaction of this one system, this combinator, and then it was like. That's cool. Solving that's cool. What if we made everything a combinator, and then you end up with Vacation Simulator, which has you know these dozens of different devices, and it scales from very intricate, very thought-provoking puzzles to like ridiculous things, which is like make me a painting, and that's cool. And so we've been kind of really trying to play off on that. Our, our we want our games to be to to deliver on the promise of what VR is, yeah. and that's and we feel like you know the. We're, we're pushing the industry, uh, kind of leading the industry in that area. And, and also in that regard, it's like, um, it's one thing to make an amazing game in VR. It's another thing to make an amazing VR game that everyone can play and enjoy. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's been something we've been like so focused. Like in the, in the very early days, we, we ran into the assumption that we could make VR for everybody. Um, but the motion sickness thing was like the thing that just kind of like drove everything away. And uh, when we ended up getting the first prototype of what would be the vibe and started building a demo for it, the first demo of jo uh, job simulator we built, um, we're like, okay, like this seems like a thing that now we have all the pieces. And my wife at the time was eight and a half months pregnant with twins and she got such bad motion sickness regularly. And then during the pregnancy, she was like sick most of the time. And so I'm like, I haven't got you to try VR in a long time because I know it makes you so sick, but I'm like, you have to try this. I think that we are, we are almost there. And then she put the headset on and played like 15 minutes. The job simulator took the headset off. She's like, now I have to go lay down. And then she paused. She's like, I don't have to lay down. And it was like, 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think we finally put enough pieces of this puzzle together that we can actually build out what will end up being mainstream VR. No, that's amazing. And, and just bouncing kind of off of yeah, because I was going to ask what the progression was as far as what motivated you from game to game. Like if there were specific goals that you had in mind with each project that yeah. you wanted to move things forward. So job simulator, like we, we've, we've thought about this a lot. So you're getting a very polished, prepared answer, which is fine. Uh, so job simulator was a game about, about the basics of interaction. Can we make a world that feels cohesive in VR that delivers on the affordances? And for those of your listeners who haven't never heard a talk by Alchemy, affordances is what we talk about, which is like the doing what you expect the object to do, right? Mm -hmm. If you see a cup of coffee, you could pour a fluid in it, you can heat that fluid, you could pour cream in the coffee, it changes colors, all those things. That's the affordance, right? The object has some message it's sending you as a person who's used coffee cups in your life. Mm -hmm. So it was, can we make a game that delivers on those? And then Rick and Morty was like, okay, cool. We made this game. It was cool and fun. Rick and Morty was, can we deliver on a story? Can we now take all of these elements, put them together, and have a sing singular narrative that kind of comes across? And we, you know, we came out of that and we're like, okay, we believe that we successfully did that. We did a narrative without... A lot of times in VR, you end up with these narratives that kind of come at the expense of the interactivity, but we never took interactivity away from the player. There's no cut scenes, quote unquote, like it doesn't stop the action, everything is rolling. And then Vacation Simulator was like, okay, can we now flesh this out into a world, right? Can mm -hmm. we build a world that you're living in where there's still a story, but it's not, you know, the tiny garage or the singular play space. It, the environment is a singular environment that you pass through. Um, one of the biggest wins we had in Vacation Simulator to this point for, is the fact that we have, there's one loading scene, mm -hmm. right? You load the game once, and then the whole world feels connected. And like a really, really early version of Vacation Simulator, every scene loaded separately. And so we have this map, and you would like pick up the pin off the map, and you would drop it somewhere else in the map. And all the developers were like, the map is, well, not all, many were like, the map is never going to die. We're going to have this map. <laughs> Forever, you can't. And so one day we, we decide to delete the map, right? And we're like, we have to figure out how to make this game fun without, like, fast teleporting everywhere. Can we make this world? And so, like, a big effort in making it all load and making it work and making it seem seamless and then branding it all together and getting all the art to work together and having you carry your stuff between zones. Like, now it seems so obvious. It's like, of course I could just quickly teleport from the beach to the mountain. Like, no big deal. Who cares? But back in that day, it was something like, it would be like about five minutes mm. from, you know, you would teleport, it was a 90 second load, and then you would like move around, then you teleport, and there was another 90 second load. So yeah, it's all that. So it's like, can we build that world? And what does it mean when you can now take an object out of one area and bring it to another? And how does that play together? And what does it mean to have like, was it 37 characters? <laughs> No, that's nuts. I mean, I remember when I saw Vacation Simulator for the first time, and I didn't even, I hadn't even seen the the different locations. I just saw the beach, the the beach uh, space, and I just thought immediately, I was like, "This is crazy!" Like just the scale. Like as someone that was familiar with Job Simulator and Rick and Morty, and then you know didn't exactly know what to expect out of Job uh, Vacation Simulator. As soon as it loaded and just like in front of you, you can just see everything that you're able to do. Like before you actually, I was just like, what? Like my mind was blown. And then, and then realizing that you could interact with elements and bring them from place to place. And then you could take stuff from the beach and take it to the mountain or the fort. Like, it, like 
on that level, like, how did you guys ever stop yourselves? Like, at, at some point, because because uh, so so with this question, <laughs> yeah, well, so with uh, Job Simulator, what you were like, you were explaining about, you know, the cup of coffee and being able to, you know add creamer to the coffee or heat it or you're dealing with you know a limited set of variables and you're making sure that all of those variables work together what were some of the challenges in kind of taking those numbers and kind of just exponentially increasing them i, I think that is the summary of the project yeah we didn't we didn't <laughs> we didn't stop do you want to like we can go into sandwiches it's like the sandwiches yeah. is the like ultimate example of of when, when we talk about not stopping and, and, and just letting the system play out. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, sandwiches are in Job Simulator. Like, you got a little spike, right? And then you go and put the bread on, whatever, and at the end you put the olive on, and it creates a unit of sandwich that you can't even eat. And it's this, this big thing, and you kind of put it on the plate and hit ring the bell, whatever. It's like, it was what we could do at the time. And so in thinking about vacation scenarios, like, that's not going to stand that we have this thing and then also like every edible object throughout the entire game needs to work and then we're like well really it would make sense if you could eat the sandwich and then just this whole thing spun out of what if there was no machine anymore what if you're just like literally stacking because in real life (laughs) you don't go to the sandwich part of your kitchen to make a sandwich right you just put bread down and then put stuff on it. Yeah. yeah. So, so then it was like, okay, well, it doesn't really make sense to make this giant, like, super huge, like, why it's funny. At some point, it's like, I put three items in and I've got a sandwich that's unedible because it's so big. But it's like, we want to put a variety of things on there. And so then we came up with the concept of a slicer machine. So you could, like, take any object and slice it and then put slices on there. And then that felt like it looked like a burger that you were making. And then it was like, okay, but now I can, like, pour sauce on it. What happens if I pour sauce on this burger? And then it's like, what if I want to take things off of it? And we just kind of like dove down this. The um, In Job Simulator, we kind of learned a little bit early on that uh, attaching things together was really satisfying. Um, but our systems at that time didn't really like allow us to do anything very complicated. Like the sandwich machine was like, okay, I can put it to this point. It kind of like it showed you a highlight of a square. And it was like, okay, that works. But we're like, what if we just like, dove into that? Now we have this wonderful attached system that we use everywhere, and it does highlights of the exact shape of the object, and it allows you to do everything from making a sandwich to putting something in your backpack and having it scale to the right dimensions and stuff like that. And so that's like a, that's like a system that we found that as we kind of like dive down these rabbit holes and kind of find at least a little bit of bedrock, um, that then that's stuff that we learned there applies to other parts of the game. And it's like, wow, now we can kind of take that. And it's like, well, now that we have the attached system for like sandwiches, what does that mean for our roaster for marshmallows? Mm-hmm. I should just be able to stab that, right? And it's like <laughs> all these things kind of just roll out of that. And so it's very challenging to know where the ends of things are and where you've kind of like um, overextended or like broke affordances. Because that's one other thing. It's like you can go and make the super awesome thing, but if all of a sudden someone interacts with it and now it affords a different part of the game to do something different, then it's like, we either have to fix that other part of the game or kind of change what we ended up doing here. Yeah, and I think that I think that a lot of our systems start out as like bespoke singular units. So the attached system is like the most hilarious thing. It was built to when you play Job Simulator, you plug in your computer, mm. right? All of attachment, every <laughs> single thing we've ever connected to anything else with that yellow highlight, 
That was the first one, and it was made to only work for those squares and that plug. But then what happens is, as you start to tease these out, and this happens a million times, is it actually, there's like a, there's like a curve, right? And we go up the curve in difficulty as we add more and more and more and more and more features. And then we reach some inflection point where we realize, actually, this system applies everywhere, and it should be more generic. And maybe we were thinking wrong about this. And then we start to come down the curve and the system actually becomes easier and easier and easier. And so almost every system in Alchemy follows that same that same design challenge curve where we build it bespoke, 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 bespoke. It's like sandwiches are this unique thing or I was trying to think of another, oh, order, we have this system called order cards, but everything, like when a bot says, I want something, right? We built 10 of those and they all worked differently and everything happened differently. And then suddenly we had this moment with all these super complicated buggy systems where we realized, wait a minute, they're all doing the same thing, just slightly different. If we made one generic system that we could pull some levers on, mm -hmm. the whole thing would fall together nicely. And that, that in a sense is like how we develop things as we, as we build it and it gets super specific, domain-specific, and then suddenly we realize, oh, it can be generalized. Yeah, and like to that point, like, even on sandwiches, like we had built all this awesome stuff for a burger, but then there was s'more making in the forest. Which had its own system Compl to make s'mores. It's completely different system different. because graham crackers are double-sided and burgers aren't, and they were completely different systems. And then had to do things like we ended up having a card that was just called sandwich unification. And it's like, <laughs> okay, now let's unify all the sandwiches in the whole game. <laughs> no, that, oh yeah, no, just listening to how you guys describe the process of figuring out, like it, obviously the people working for you have like an open mind to think of doing all of these things. But I think to some people, I mean, you almost have to retrain yourself to open your mind to the possibilities of being able to interact with the world the way your games allow you to. Like, oh, one of the most fun things I have uh, with with your games is is watching some of my, my, my nieces and nephews play. Because, like, my, my nephew, for example, like, he's doing, like, I, I walk away for five minutes, and when I come back, he's just doing the most ridiculous things, and he's doing them so nonchalantly, so, like, effortless, like, just, like, using everything in the environment that you guys have given them. And it's just, like, it's really incredible. And it makes me think, like, man, why am I, how am I not this imaginative? Like, so, I, so, it's, <laughs> so it, I'm, I'm going to actually kind of hopefully help ease your mind. It is something that can be trained. The people who come into Alchemy, they might have a little bit more open mind, but it's not a guarantee, and it's something that people learn. And so our process for learning it is pretty straightforward. We, we do a ton of playtests, and watching playtesters and playtests is the gateway to like empathizing with the broad set of users because you, exactly what you're doing with your nephew, that effortless thing, will then let you think of it, and then you can expand on that with your own bit. And so the more we watch playtesters, the more we see others play in our spaces, the better we understand. That's thing one. Thing two is uh, executive review is immediately pick up the most key item in the world and then throw it as far <laughs> as you can one minute into the demo. Or it's like one minute. It's like two seconds. It's like, hey, here's my painting station. And it's like, eat this paintbrush. And then we throw the paintbrush and then you hear the developer go, well, I never accounted for that. All right, we'll restart. Right? And, and then what we do is a lot of collaborative things. So people will just shout things during a playtest. What if you do this? What if you do this? Try this. Try this. Try this. So a lot of it's learned. So now you have this group of people who's very playful. But when a new person joins our company, it's not necessarily the case. A lot of times we're used to like, 
the abstraction of games. Like I press the button and I can only do these very specific things. And then it's through that observation of their coworkers, the observation of playtesters, and then just the like band-aid ripping off experience of having a having something reviewed that they start to learn this kind of open, playful mindset. No, hmm. oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean, do you think uh, the the methods that you guys use to make your games, uh, how applicable are they to other types of VR games? Because uh, they, your games spoil uh, players, I think, in a sense, in, in terms of like you get used to things interacting the way you expect them to, and that's how you that's how all VR honestly should be. So then it it creates a high bar, but at the same time, I wonder how easy it is in other types of settings. For that, like, because your games, like you you mentioned, they can be silly. Like they can, like you can, you know, right away, like you know, throw the main objective at the wall and forget it and and keep going. And in in some games, I guess developers don't want players doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think like that 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 like kind of uh, is is the bit of the heart of it is that um, we realize that we are not in control. Um, and we are giving that up. Traditionally in game development, you're like, I am the puppet master, and now I'm going to make things dance. Um, in, in VR, because the input is so varied, right? It's like the input set is literally infinity because... Of like, but it's not just varied. It's also so great. It's imprecise and super precise at the same time. Like, you've never been able to take the hand of the character and nudge an object at the tiniest unit you want to just because <laughs> you can. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, kind of one of the things that we just run on is like, okay, we are not in control at all. So how do we encourage the player to do things that is interesting? And uh, we're kind of like trying to, t to tease that out. And so um, right from job simulators, like job simulator has a, uh, a, a job board and it tells you very specific things um, to do, but that is just the lubricant for us teaching you how to do interesting things within this world. Um, and, and we kind of embrace the fact that we are in control and, and it ends up being super advantageous for us because like things like Let's Plays, um, YouTube videos, all that stuff, because we embrace that, that means that the variety of, if you watch like a job simulator video, you will never watch the same one again. Nothing will ever look like the one that you watch. And because it, it allows people to be expressive and creative and all these really awesome things, which has been great for us is like almost a billion views of job simulator let's plays because of it. And so that ends up being an advantage. Um, uh, well, I understand that there's definitely some um, content that wants to be built for VR. Um, that is like uh, wants more control. I think one of, one of the earliest things that I always like when I'm watching people start with VR is they're like, okay, now how do I control this situation? It's kind of embrace the chaos. And I think to a point with our systems, right? Like when you talk about other developers, we, we not things like this podcast, things like going out and talking, we not only uh, embrace, like we encourage other developers to steal our interaction paradigms. We love it. Like that's, that's why we're putting this information out in the world. 
um, in the hopes that other developers, you know, we've seen the tomato presence stuff really kind of lock on recently where people are hiding the hand when you grab an object and, and kind of some other things along those lines where we want people to start using our interaction mechanics. The day that I go into VR and I don't have to interact with another flat screen and a laser pointer <laughs> is a good day. Every time, like, I get those, like, the user interface that's so tactile and in-world and it's like, oh, it's levers and buttons. I'm like, yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of, like, the key to all this is, like, uh, us, everyone building off of what everyone else has kind of learned before. Um, and so, like, in Vacation Simulator, one of the things that I'm really proud of is how the backpack ended up working out. And so our backpack is you just reach over one of your shoulders and you grab and you pull this backpack and it orients correctly. And then there's just little squares where you can just, like, as soon as you put an item near it, it just goes, shrinks down inside of it and you can grab it out. Or you can just put things over your shoulder and it'll automatically go into it. Uh, I'm very proud of it because, like, the way that it's been designed, like people that have never encountered VR, just like go in and just use it and use it in like ways that are like incredibly complicated. When you think about it, it's like you're interacting with a VR inventory system. Like that is like the bane of even flat screen games um, have a lot of trouble dealing with that problem. Um, and I'm really excited with how that, that played out. But like some of that stuff was built on um, previous games, like, like Cloudhead had like, you know, reach over the shoulder stuff. I was like, that's that's super, super intuitive. I think someone referred to it there as like the right click of VR. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of a, that's a, that's a really good takeaway. And I was like, okay, that's that's stuff that we can kind of like all collectively share and build on top of. And it's like, I, I want people to kind of take kind of the stuff that we've done with like our, our backpack inventory and stuff like that and take that and now build it to the next level. That's how we move things forward a lot quicker than everybody kind of like in isolation trying to solve um, problems. No, that, on, on the backpack, it's kind of a funny side note, but with my nephew, one of the things I noticed that he was doing is he, he figured out that you could press one of the touch buttons to pull it up a little bit quicker. And he immediately knew, like he figured out on his own to pull the zipper to get out of the out of the settings and and like and I never showed him that and I never like yep. he's never seen a settings menu before but he knew that if he wanted to get to his backpack items that he'd pull the zipper and like so, so the zipper is crazy right so <laughs> for 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 ninety five percent of vacation simulators development and vacation simulator is two years long so we're talking like all the way up until maybe the last th two three months we had uh, a like suitcase. You'd hit the menu button and a suitcase would appear and you'd open the suitcase and you could eat the burrito and you could do all your, and we didn't even have settings, which is just a suitcase with a burrito in it and like some business <laughs> cards, right? Just like the briefcase. And, and we we're like, okay, this is going to be the same. And then it was like, one day we got the, you know, the group of people that does all the design. We all got in a room and we were talking about this thing and we're like, the suitcase, this like, the suitcase sucks. That's normally how it starts. It doesn't make sense. Why do I have a backpack and a suitcase? That's too much storage. And and people were like going back and forth. And then we just kind of like, then on top of that, yeah. we're like, the tutorial, we're like, people are failing the tutorial. And so the tutorial is the same as in Job Simulator where at the start of the game, you have to hit the menu button because we're just trying to literally teach you right. where it is on the controller. Yeah. And we had like so much trouble like people are getting hung up in that and it's just like and it's uh, also like the menu buttons in a bad spot it just never worked and it's like all right we, you know like what do we and we went back and, forth and we kept talking about having it in the backpack but you know probably 
once every other month, we had another discussion that was like, can we just put the exit burrito in the backpack? And an early version had it like on the side, like it was like a camera on one side, the burrito, but then we're like, that makes it too important. <laughs> now it's like, now people think they got to eat the burrito all the time. It's only really if you want to switch, like if your nephew wants to be on his save file as compared yeah. to yours. So, so finally, like, if the, the final version of that was, like, we're, we went back and forth and we're, like, we had this lever and then somebody, and I don't even remember who, somebody was just, like, what if it was a zipper? And we were, like, oh, shit. <laughs> ah, it was in front of us the whole time. And then, like, we put that in and it's one of those, like, the, we, at Alchemy, we always say, like, the best decisions are the ones that we, we forgot, like, we forget what it used to be because it's so good. Of course, it's been there since the start. And so we're like, of course, it's always been it's a zipper, but it came in in like the last three months. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those great things. Like you show a zipper, and people instantly, oh yeah, I have to grab this thing and drag left to right, right. We don't have to like teach a metaphor or anything like There's that. There's no, le- it's not even a lever. Yeah, it's just, it's like, like, just like oh zip. Yeah, that's good. Like I said, he was just naturally just like yeah. I, I thought for a second I should tell him how to do all of that stuff, and then I forgot to, and he figured it out on his own. So it was pretty awesome. Um, another thing that you guys mentioned that I wanted to talk a little bit more about was, uh, how you guys, uh, came up with how you, how the player would get around in the, in the world. So, cause that's obviously, I mean, one of the things when I first touched down in vacation simulator for the first time and realized that I was able to move around, that, that was something that I was cognizant of. Like, I wonder what decision they made here. And then I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, everything was so easy for me to navigate and like i said i've had people that haven't played vr that aren't used to other locomotion systems and they're they do it without thinking i don't really have to tell like my my gut reaction is to always over explain at the beginning that i'm showing someone because i'm used to having to okay like 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 i i start squaring their shoulders and like all right you're gonna have to hold down this button and you're gonna have to you know drag it across the floor and let go and and like it's usually like it takes like a good 15 minutes to figure so so before we get into like the design because there's so many intricacies into this specific system philosophically taking a step back almost every locomotion system that is like what is it trying to accomplish right i need my play space to exist in a different area of the virtual world and a big thing that almost every single system suffers from is the is the spot of our system doesn't account for where the human is inside it so you could be standing at the way end of your play space right near the edge and you could be teleporting around you could be you know locomoting around the play space sliding around or whatever it is feet moving however you do it and you could have a station, right, with all your computer controls and everything, and it's and you're standing on the front corner, and you get all the way to the edge of it, and the station is to the right, past the spot, and now you have to take steps backwards, and you have to make all these adjustments. So philosophically, you know, we think a lot about the affordances taking you out of the world, but also the design of movement can take you out of the world instantly if you start to have to think about where am I standing in my room and why is it like this? And if we can remove that thought process from the user entirely, the whole game space opens up. And so now, so then, <laughs> so then we're like, cool, that's a cool goal. How do we get there? This is my setup. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so kind of the genesis of this was um, uh, we were working on the Rick and Morty project. And uh, up to then, we had done Job Simulator where every, you have one play space per area. So it's like, I'm in the kitchen. I'm literally in the center of the kitchen. 
Um, and so that worked really well. And so in Rick and Morty, we're like, the core location you're at is the garage. And it's like, okay, we can make this work. And then we very quickly realized that we couldn't just make the garage the size of a play space. It's like, you know, Rick's phone Yeah, two, two, um, yeah, especially <laughs> since the smallest is like, what is it, two and a half meters yeah. by one and a half meters? <laughs> two and a half, two meters by one and a half meters. And so, yeah, it's like phone booth VR. So we actually already have to do so many things of like, we like, uh, in Java Simulator, you're kind of like boxed in, but there's only generally a hard wall on one of the edges. Otherwise, it gets super claustrophobic. People mm-hmm. don't even realize that because we've done a lot of work, but um, that's the thing that became apparent. We're like, so this is not going to work. We need to somehow enable the user to move around the garage a little bit. It's like, how are we going to pull this off? And so this concept of um, discrete zones was like, okay, we know how to design discrete zones from Job Simulator. It's like, can we kind of bring this in? And so we started kind of uh, some of our early pioneering work on trying to like do that. But we ended up calling zone-based teleportation opposed to like granular um, uh, teleportation. It was like, okay, can we make this work? And so we ended up doing a lot of work and had to, we learned a ton of lessons, but even in the, in Rick and Morty, there's literally like three primary zones. And then like, I can go through a portal to one other destination. And there's a few other ones that I'm like completely blinking to. Um, um, that was super hard to design for, um, even in that space. And, uh, but we were good. We were happy with what we ended up coming up with. Um, and then we came up with this character, this the, the UC thing, so that uh, sorry, the UC UC which was a play on UC. So yeah, so you like throw a ball, and then the character would land in mirror you, so you could like pick up things that were outside of your play space to kind of like joke our way through some of that. And then we're like, okay, vacation simulator. Can we take this and expand it to a world? Because we weren't confident. We we'd made this one L shaped thing that kind of worked and it was like can we kind of um, explore and uh wow a lot of things rolled out of that that were very very unexpected um and uh, i think it was probably one of the harder parts of world design was making a good um uh, zone-based teleportation layout um it did for if you're kind of playing the game after the fact i assume that it kind of looks like oh yeah just like we built the beach and then we put the zones there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the process was super iterative. It was like, well, teleporting on that angle feels funny. Mm. Okay, we have to move that angle to a different angle. Now we have to redesign the entire world to match that. And it's like, but but some of the good things that came out of that was like, for instance, all our zones are forward facing, right? Which which is great because uh, there are still tons of headsets that are forward facing, right? But because our world is in a world, it doesn't feel bad. It doesn't feel like anything's missing because in, in those headsets that can do the three sixty, we get we get that. The other cool thing is that um, by using this well, by using the zone, we solved we solved that big philosophical quandary. I, I said because now it no longer matters where you're standing in your play space. You're just going to end up in the in the analogous spot in the next play space. But the play space is aligned such that you will be able to use everything that is that is given to you. But the other cool thing is by putting them close but not too close and allowing them to have different terrain and different kind of boundaries between them, we get to use sound to a fun effect. So people, I think a lot of the reason why we don't hear some of the usual critique that one normally hears about locomotion techniques is that because mentally it feels like you're walking there. You take, we, we, we dim the screen, it turns black, you hear a, a single footstep audio or a single splash, and then you're in the next spot and it's like, 
oh, this teleportation doesn't take me out of the experience. I took the step. This was great. Hmm. Yeah. And so, like, the uh, back to, like, an earlier point, when we're talking about making VR for everyone, a kind of that granular teleportation, as you kind of explained, is, like, you have to explain it to people. It's, like, even experienced users like myself constantly fall into annoying traps mm-hmm. when I'm like doing that. I'm like, oh, I have to turn around. Therefore, I need to like point forward, but like rotate so that it's going back. And then, um, and then the other problem of like, where am I? I have to readjust because you're not, you're not able to look in the direction that you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the core tenets of our system is that you always have to be looking in the direction that you're going. Mm-hmm. And so the, the human brain's really good at being like, I am here. I see that location. I can visually imagine what the projection is going to look like when I'm over there. And so you don't get disoriented. Like you're just like teleporting around. You're not disoriented. But if you watch people like do granular teleportation, it's super easy to get disoriented. Especially if you're looking. You'll hear a lot of people say, if I'm looking one way and I teleport sideways a different way, that's when it really throws me. Yeah. We, we did a lot of experimentation with trying to like on a teleport just rotate the world. It was like, oh, it'd be super convenient if we could like rotate 90 degrees to the left on teleport and we tried so many different solutions of that and it just always felt disorienting regardless there's, of what we there's did there's one but it's not yeah. really a teleport there's one flip one flip we do two one flip if this is a boat yeah. is that what you're thinking of? yeah the boat the boat changes where you are where the doors open on the back um but people don't notice it because like in real life like, boats are confusing things that end up on the water. They spin around like crazy. They hit go on the boat, and the door being a different direction than when you remember pulling the lever and, like, the lever all being a different direction. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I rode in a boat. And we, like, dropped the, we dropped a yard to black screen for a while. So, like, there's enough of a disconnect in that one case where we were like, okay, yeah, we can, like, yeah, rotate some things. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but, yeah, and then, so, like, people instantly pick up and play it. And then back to the point about... Um, breaking presence uh, the easiest way to break presence is to have someone think about where they are in their physical space um, and the moment you have to like keep that like I call it like like a background process running in your head of like oh don't reach outside your bounds right um, you're just constantly breaking the experience and, and artificial locomotion games aren't even safe from this I, you know I was playing a demo of some something recently and the, the, the spot at which the character controller stops sometimes is, like, the, the developer then expects you to reach further than that. So they're like, the feet can't go further, but the console in front of you is. And again, if you're in your front corner space, there might be a wall right there. Yep. So now you got to take a few steps back, move forward again, and the whole thing kind of breaks in your brain. So um, And then another cool thing that we did on Teleports and not thinking about your space is that we noticed... Uh, and this kind of helped everybody, but we noticed that very advanced users of VR uh, ignore their chaperone. I mean, we do it. Like, we're just as guilty as anybody. The amount yep. of times we've been, like, sitting in a demo and have somebody hit us and be like, come on, the chaperone! <laughs> what the hell? Like, so, so we put in a gentle fade, not completely to black, but just enough, and it's actually worked better than the chaperone because, because as an opt-in, everybody knows what happened. Okay, I went outside my bounds. I may not have reached chaperone. I shouldn't be here. And I've opted in, and I can undo. I can do the exact opposite motion of what I just did to get out of this. And maybe I have space in my room to, like, reach around. But I know what I'm doing right now, and I know the experience is a little bit darker because of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it's worked beautifully. Yeah, no, it makes, it, it makes things really easy. Because like you said, you know that you still have some wiggle room. 
So it doesn't take you out of the experience because all of it's not like I'm trying to freak, you know, figure out how to move the play area or anything like that. It's literally just, okay, I'm running out of space, but clearly my hand was almost there. I'm going to be really careful and grab it. And then, and then you're back in your normal. They slow down (laughs) as they enter that zone. They do what they were going to do. And then they move back. we, We uncovered that in the sports zone. Um, you can explain that. You were the one that saw this happen to like a T at the Sony demo. Oh, yeah. Stuff. So yeah, we had we were doing um, some demos at E3, and like people people just get really excited in VR, forget their VR, which is, which is awesome. It's part of the magic of it. And so um, they were just like they were playing in the sports zone. You had to throw like uh, you had to throw like soccer balls at the net, and then they would some people would just get super aggressive. And every time they throw, they take like a step forward, right? And they're ignoring everything that's happening, and then it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa stop! You're like getting really close to television. It's like, okay, like we need to do something here. Um, and we've seen like so many different solutions, and it's just one of those things that people get so focused on their task mm-hmm. and what they're trying to achieve that, regardless of how obtrusive like the scan lines or whatever is, they kind of like ignore it. And so that's kind of the that ended up being the kickoff for working on what this this fader ended up being. Um, and the first time that we tried it, we had a playtester in. The playtester's new to VR, and they were just like, oh, I'm playing, and they're like, oh, I went outside my bounds, and then went back in, and there's no tutorial, no explanation, and it was just like, oh my god, we did it. And like, part of the magic of it is that it, you can, like, with a, a chaperone grid, you can look past it, like, you're, you're like, oh, it's, it's a grid. Thing, it's right? up to you whether or not you agree with the grid. You're yeah. Like, yeah. But this, regardless of what you're focused on, everything is dimming. Yeah. And it's this like thing. So it seems to like uh, kind of get that. But it's key not to make it in case any developers are listening. It's key not to make it go to black because we need people to see how to get back to center. Mm. Right. So if you fade all the way to black and you're like, no, you can't play the game. It's like, fine. Okay. That's a pretty strong hand of a designer. But it's also like your players are going to be lost because they're like, I walked into a corner. It's dark and I have no idea which way is home. No, that makes sense. And like I said, like you still want to be able to if you like you know you're warned, and so as long as the warning is 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 ringing true, you're not ignoring it completely. Then now you can kind of decide what to do. So yep. yeah, yep. no, it's it's a really good system. So and no, and that that speaks volumes. The fact that people that don't even know to worry about boundaries are all of a sudden right, in just the same way that the zipper just reads as like oh it's zipper you zip it you unzip it I know what happens it's yeah. like. Oh, the, the world faded. I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> cool. I'm just gonna go back to where to where things were bright because I think there's something deep within us as humans that responds to like bright is good, dim is bad. I went and the bad thing happened. It's like it's like some early hunter gatherer crap. Like, Don't go in the shaded cave. A bear's gonna eat you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know that. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to talk about, and it's not like a, a an easy transition or anything but one of the things that I always enjoy in games and what I enjoyed in job simulator was being able to mess around with the computer like the computer within the computer game and uh, you guys kind of took that to like the 10 like I feel like there's so many places in vacation simulator where there's stuff going on like games within games and all that so like yeah so so just talk about that so we went crazy so we so we did this kind of like thing where a bunch of developers came up with a bunch of ideas and one of them was this joystick and it wasn't hooked up to anything right it was just a joystick but it felt so cool to use they were like 
we have to make games for it. And the amount of times we were like, we got to cut the, we got to cut the game console. We got to cut the game. It's just like, who's going to make games for this thing? We don't have any time in production, but it kept coming back and we're like, just leave it there. Maybe games will appear on it. And it went, this went on and on for months. And then again, within like the last few months of production, like I snuck into the office one weekend and then, and then I, when I pulled my car in, another developer pulled in at the same time. And then one of our developers in Canada was doing check-ins. And then what we realized is we were all sneaking in on the weekend to build games for this console, this <laughs> silly console, all the stupid ideas we'd want to explore. Yeah, yeah the, uh, I, I really enjoyed the, like, the games within the games concept. I think the first time that it really got me was in Job Simulator with, uh, with FlappyBot. Um, I was doing some play testing and I played, I was trying to get some high scores to make sure the whole thing didn't like blow up. And so anyway, I played for a very extended period of time and I got so like laser focused on the screen that when I went, ah, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> my brain went, I am now out of VR, but I am still clearly in VR. Um, and then to like, to, uh, another one that I had was in Vacation Simulator um, in, in the mountain, there's this ice carving station. And a lot of our stations have this handle um, that you can kind of move up and down to whatever height is comfortable for you to like interact with the, the things. It's like from really tall and kind of move it up. Um, but in my case, I was like, I'm going to be doing like a really extended run of solving these puzzles. So I just took the whole thing and I pushed it all the way to the floor. And then I just kind of sat cross-legged on my floor and I was kind of like uh, doing things away. And so anyway, I was like maybe an hour plus into doing puzzles. And then I was like, okay. And then I kind of like looked away and I'm like, oh, I'm so cold. And then I'm like, well, no, I'm not. I'm just literally <laughs> forgot that I'm in VR inside of a winter scene and then I was doing a task inside of this thing. And so I was like, okay. And but kind of that like you get so many layers in that you don't know how many you need to step back out of. <laughs> That's really funny. And speaking of the, the scenery, like it, you guys obviously – did you were there a lot of different environments that you ended up having to cut or or any like interesting ones that you might want to mention? Uh, I don't I it wasn't so so for vacations, right? Like the mountain and the beach. Those are iconic. I think the beach conceptually in some form like once we had picked vacation simulator as our path, there's no way it was beach. Like that's that's like you know, we're going to have fun on the beach. And the mountain is also one of those because those are like the two kind of tentpole ones. The I think, you know, we went through a bunch of iterations to what would inevitably end up being our National Park Forest Excursion, which in retrospect, again, seems like, yeah, forest is obvious. But you start thinking about vacations. We had a jungle at one point. Yeah. We had a casino. <laughs> That's bad. That was That's not a good vacation. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say like the the family friendly uh, vibe you guys got going might be somewhat uh, somewhat somewhat questionable. So like, there's only so many like like positive on the surface, but a little dark under jokes you can make in a casino before you're just like, mm, it's casino people, it's all darkness in here. That was something that I remember. I think Autumn was the one that had mentioned it when we were doing a demo at GDC. But uh, the fact that you can't harm any of the animals anywhere in the game and there, there's like all sorts of like hoops and hurdles that sometimes it seems like you guys went through in order to let you interact with something yet not kill the animal so it seems like hoops and hurdles but in the end it was one it was the curve again right we built all these hoops and hurdles and it turned out the solution was really simple so it's, yeah yeah it's, it's it's like that control right it's like how much control do do we have and so part of the part of the like thought process there was uh 
it's about like encouraging players to do things, but also maybe not encouraging them to do things. And so um, some of the things ended up feeling, you know, bad with the animals. And we realized like in certain cases, if the animal doesn't respond negatively to the stimulus, well, then it feels more like a toy than it does an animal. Right. And then there's some things you can actually do that like um, make things funnier. So for example, we have a slicer machine and early on, it was just like, it had to be of a specific type of object to get attached to that. And then as we kind of went through the game, we're like, no, like if something says you can attach it, like we should just let things attach. And then it was like, oh, okay, now what about this? And it's like, what do I, like, I put a butterfly in here and like slice it in half? Like it doesn't seem quite right. And so I was like, okay, well, let's like joke our way through that. And like the machine like says something. To it says that. like rough approximation of a living thing. Yeah, or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. right. And it's like that, that's totally like, that's, that's, that's easy for us to do. It's kind of a joke and we're not like uh, encouraging the wrong Right, so it's like it's like butterfly on the grill is a great example. Like you can put any animal on the grill, but the game the they they don't react in pain. That's the thing. So we're like still allowing the player to do something. We're just not like catering to players who might have nefarious actions, right? So it's like you can still grill a butterfly you want to. It's just not going to squirm and writhe in pain. Yeah, and it's like some stores like oh I'm going to go like barbecue this thing, and it still allows them to do that narrative. Like we're not stopping them we're just not like rewarding that particular experience but if you want to kind of like mess around like do it that's what the whole thing's about no that that makes sense and so uh i guess uh, i'm trying to see if i have any other specific questions about vacation simulator but um i know uh with these new headsets that are coming out the oculus quest the rift s the the valve index there's a lot of hype around, you know, the, the new platforms that are out there. I guess first, Oculus Quest specifically, because it is so new and different. Um, you guys are releasing Job Simulator, right? On- so we're doing Job Simulator with a long launch, and then uh, Holiday will be doing Vacation Simulator. Okay, okay, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Okay. It, what, what was some of the work like on that to get, like, for Vacation Simulator <laughs> in specific? Because Job Simulator, I guess, was probably created way before you kind of had any idea that there would be all these different t- yeah, kinds I mean, of platforms. We were, but. So, yeah, we were lucky that we ported it to PlayStation, but whew. Yeah, like, um, very early on in uh, Job Simulator's development, uh, we realized that probably um, there was going to be a need to have this game run faster than on, like, a high-end PC. And so we made a lot of design decisions, like uh, kind of some the way our art style works, the way we kind of implement things. Um, that would kind of allow that to happen. And then when PlayStation VR ended up becoming a thing, it was like, okay, there's like, here's here's a platform um, that can kind of take advantage of that. And then like, same with Quest, right? It's like, here's a, uh, a, a, a platform with these kind of like constraints when it comes to uh, performance. And so we've kind of like been working through that. Um, luckily for us, like, as I mentioned earlier, like we come from like a mobile development background. And so like, Optimization um, is not something that we're like new to. We kind of understand how that whole thing works, and so kind of we've been able to like uh, kind of to leverage that. Um, yeah. That being said, it's not it, it's no small task, yeah. right? It's no small task to bring our content there. But we want to treat every platform as if it's a you know if it's a first party platform for us, right? We're very multi platform, so we do our 
when we're trying to optimize, we're not just trying to get it to run or get it to be there. We want it to feel like you played Job Simulator. So it doesn't matter where you played Job Simulator, you played the, the game, right? And, and you could play it on multiple platforms or just one, and it wouldn't feel any different to you. Okay. No, that's really awesome. And I mean, going forward, obviously PlayStation VR has had a lot of success. Uh, everyone's hoping that the Quest is going to do really well, and I think you know pre-orders and all of that are, are looking promising. Um, as on the development side, it ha are things kind of diverging a little bit in terms of like how you like as a team decide to put your resources towards like high-end PC development versus? I think philosophically, we so we watch right. So we you know we try to be as proactive as, as we can, but to some point we are reactive, right? Mm -hmm. So so we. I don't think that I can strongly answer that question because we're still like looking at how this all plays out, right? We're kind of sitting on one side of an inf of a potential but not guaranteed inflection point. But on, a, on another point, I don't think that the, at least in the short term, we don't think that the PC VR stuff is going anywhere. Some of our Let's Players and our streamers have the best times um, being on PC and showing on PC and demoing. Uh, PC has some of the easiest and most straightforward ability for us to release patches, test content out, and, you know, regardless of what comes out, we develop on APC in mm -hmm. studio. That's what you have to write code on. So there's always some some something to be said about, like, the ease of platform. So I think that, like, again, we're trying to be as broad as we can about these, about how our strategy for putting on platforms. And we, you know, we obviously want to cater to where the audience is, but we still want to make games that are taking advantage of all the platforms. And like from very early on in Alchemy, we decided that the key to success was to be multi-platform. And it was like, everything we made, it was like, okay, what platforms can we bring this to? And in the early days, we brought some things to some wild platforms um, because like that was not only a way to, for us to like find out and learn all these different skills. And like, so when VR ended up coming along, it was like, yes, this is a radically different way to like develop. But it's like, we have already done some pretty wild and different things. Um, like, like we built a leap motion version of Jack Lumber, an early mobile game. HP laptop. Yeah, <laughs> laptop, right? It's like, it was, there was just so much experience, and so we were so used to, like, yeah, dealing with kind of uh, early platforms and stuff like that. And so, like, that, that's kind of, kind of continued to be, like, at our core is, like, we want to bring our content to where people are playing games. Okay, awesome. Uh, on that note, uh, I know you guys... Don't can't necessarily talk too much about the Valve Index. I, I don't know exactly how the embargoes on some of that in NDAs and stuff work, but um, it, I know you guys were showing off at least some like vacation. So like I had read some some people getting to experience I think uh, Vacation Simulator with the Index and with the uh, the now the Index controllers. Uh, it's really hard not to say knuckles, but. Um, yep. <laughs> it, yeah, can you talk a little bit about what your experience has been like working with that system and what you're looking forward to on that? So um, the, there's a, not a lot we can say or, or want to say quite, quite yet. Um, but yeah, what we will say is that, um, yeah, we've uh, been working uh, with, the, uh, with the headset and the controllers for, 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 for a while now. And we did make a demo that um, Press got to check out of... Uh, uh, that use the headset and the, uh, the index controllers uh, with Vacation Simulator. Um, and, the, and the headset is a Steam VR compatible headset. So, you know, from the headset perspective, it's a, that's a straight path, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, 
So yeah, now that press have kind of got to take a look at it, we're kind of like letting press talk about kind of what they uh, what they ended up experiencing. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely interesting things there. And like as I mentioned earlier, like we want to bring our content to feel like a first class um, game to everywhere people are playing. Awesome. And yeah, looking forward to the future. I guess um, what. Uh, we know some of the technologies that are in those headsets, and uh, you talked a, a little bit before about how when you initially got your hands on the Vive, how the possibilities kind of just opened up. It was doing a lot of the things that you guys really wanted to be able to do. Uh, at this point, are you guys more just focused on the here and now and, and working with the, the, the hardware that's out there, or are there still some limitations that you know, like, man, this is, I can't wait for this to happen with the hardware i mean i think we're all in that ladder camp right there's always some some innovation i mean like was that the foveated rendering concept like we all want to be able to be like man it's a lot (laughs) easier now for us to optimize our games because we don't have to worry about rendering and the you know rendering every pixel for every part that your eye could ever cross but i also think that we are we are you know, kind of, we're straddling both worlds, right? We have some things that we try to predict out. We're not necessarily doing things in the moment about it, but we're keeping our eye on stuff. And then also we, we want to make sure that we're making great content. And, you know, the platforms that exist aren't going anywhere, right? It's, and it seems like they're flourishing and expanding on what they've built. So that's, that's also a thing that we want to keep building on. Yeah, we uh, very early on were like, as we talked about it, like it was like head in hands, head in hand. This is the min subset that will make VR go mainstream, and we still feel really strongly about that. Um, the, some of the things that we care about, like a lot right now, is like is friction, right? It's like we think that one of the big things that kind of like stopping things like expanding is people being able to like jump into VR and have an experience. And so there's there's a ton of work being done on the hardware side for that. And then there's a lot of work that we're doing. It's like the uh, like vacation simulator um, from like a complexity standpoint, the game is way more complex than job simulator, but we're working to like make sure that like the onboarding process of putting a new person into that is just like super intuitive and they're able to pick that up. And so we're, we're trying to like, uh, different, different parts are trying to fix different problems, but, uh, that's kind of what we really care about is that, that kind of that convergence that it's like, Hey, it's like, I just want to do, I, I know very little about VR and it's a thing I want to get into. How do we solve that for the user? Awesome. Well, thank you guys both for taking the time to speak with me today about, you know, Alchemy Labs and about all the amazing games that you guys have worked on. Uh, I, I can say for a lot of the listeners out there that we really thank you guys for the amazing the work, work that you guys have done. Because, I mean, honestly, some of the most fun I've ever had and the most fun that I've showed people in VR is with your games. So uh, thank you so much for everything. Well, thanks. Thank That's, you. Yeah, those are the kind of comments that make it worth it. We love to see that it's that it's proliferating. We you know, we hope that our content helps both that friction and, and giving that that moment to people where they can justify VR to the to the rest of the world. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And uh, yeah, I guess before I let you guys go, what's the best way that people uh, should keep up with uh, what you guys are doing? So, so we have a, so we have it depends on what level of engagement you want. Uh, the easiest thing is our Twitter, Alchemy Labs. Um, we also have a Discord that we run. Uh, you can find the links to it on our website, alchemylabs.com, as well as our Twitter has some links to it too. So uh, if you want to engage in a, you know, in that community, the Discord's available. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have every kind of social media you could want. 
Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again and have a great one. Thank you. Thank you.